This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We're pleased to note, as we promised on last week's show, that we'd be speaking on today's program with Pope Brock author of Charlatan, America's Most Dangerous Huckster, The Man Who Pursued Him, and The Age of Flim Flam. It's a whale of a good topic and a great guest, and we're going to have a lot of fun with that in our second segment today. You'll want to stay tuned for that. We would note that Michael Shermer, publisher of Skeptic Magazine and former Radio Parallax guest, said, Pope Brock's gripping tale of fraud and flim flam is at once compelling and disturbing. Compelling because it's such a great read, Disturbing because it reveals the endless gullibility of human nature. We've been looking forward to this one for some time. But let's begin the show as we like to do with On This Date in History. The date in question being the 20th of August. It was on August 20th in 1940 that Leon Trotsky, the Russian revolutionary who was at that point living in Mexico City, was attacked by an assassin hired by Joseph Stalin. Trotsky died the following day and marked pretty much the last of the old Bolsheviks that Stalin got around to killing. And if he saw you as a rival, he pretty much was interested in killing you and generally succeeded. Two years later on this date, American chemist Glenn Seaborg, using a particle accelerator, isolated a visible amount of plutonium for the very first time. Starting with that one little speck, a lot more has been made since including the metal that went into the first nuclear test in 1945 and uh, a month later, the bomb that blew up Nagasaki. On a happier note, on August 20th in 1977, the U.S. spacecraft Voyager 2 was launched on the first mission to explore the outer planets. Or fortuitous once-in-every-180-year lineup of the planets allowed the spacecraft to visit progressively Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. When Voyager 2 finally got to Neptune 12 years later, this correspondent is, can happily report crashed the party at Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena. You know, we're going to see if we can get Mission Director Ed Stone to speak with us on this program. That was just one spectacular moment in the history of planetary exploration. And on August 20th, 1991, the Republic of Estonia declared it its immediate and full independence from the Soviet Union. And thankfully for the Estonians, Mikhail Gorbachev elected not to send in the Red Army. Finally got to Estonia last uh, summer, about a year ago today, actually, and can report that it is a pleasant place. Our quote of the day comes from Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Apparently on her recent trip to Africa, a Kenyan man offered Hillary 20 cows and 40 goats in exchange for her daughter Chelsea's hand in marriage. The Secretary of State replied diplomatically, My daughter is her own person. I will convey this very kind offer. Our quip of the day comes from Mark Twain, who once said, Get your facts first, then you can distort them how you please. Our stat of the day, actually this one is a non-stat, based on the fact that investment gurus keep reminding us that stocks have outperformed bonds for virtually every 30-year period since 1892. Well, a recent look at this by the Wall Street Journal... Note that while this is very reassuring to investors who have staked much of their retirement funds on stocks, this comparison is not valid. The reason? The economists who assembled the early stock data frequently cherry-picked their indexes by throwing out any stock that didn't survive for the entire 30-year period. They also tended to toss out those whose share prices were too hard to find 
or whose returns seemed, quote, inflexible, erratic, or non-typical, unquote. Another reason, folks, not to listen to Mr. Tom Sullivan. Our joke of the day comes from the very first panel of the recent uh, This Modern World cartoon by Tom Tomorrow. It's the reason I, I love every Thursday here in Sacramento, because the News and Review comes out with Tom Tomorrow. The very first panel had a comment upon these birthers, those who are claiming that President Obama was not born in this country. The woman in the first panel of birthers holding up this birth certificate. A man who suspects it might be a forgery says, it looks like it was written in crayon. The woman then responds, well, the Kenyans are very poor. The man replies, and the baby's name is listed as President Obama. To which the woman replies, well, they're very prescient as well. By the way, our bonus actual stat of the day is that apparently 20%, 28% of Republicans actually believe that Barack Obama wasn't born in the U.S. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. Going to the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for fans of Bing Crosby. After Bob Dylan announced he's recording an album of Christmas songs, which apparently will include Old Little Town of Bethlehem and Here Comes Santa Claus. The magazine also noted, however, that it was a bad week last week for Going Numero Dos. After it was revealed that Cuba's state-run toilet paper manufacturer said it had run out of paper and money. Noting that the island would face severe shortages until the end of the year when emergency imports would arrive. This is a cue, I think, for those of us who have friends on the island of Cuba to please send some care packages south. We have to note in closing that it was an ugly week last week for the Connecticut Nursing Association which honored Betty Lichtenstein of Norwalk, Connecticut, as the 2008 Nurse of the Year. Authorities have charged that, first of all, Lichtenstein isn't really a nurse, and second of all, that she created the association and staged a dinner in her honor, no less, to bolster her resume and get a job. We do have to make one uh, correction to the show, however. We received an email from Simon Edes, who, after complimenting Dr. Andy's show and ours, Took issue with our quoting George Santayana, his quote about those who don't learn from the past, etc., and noted that that quote actually originates with the Roman historian Livy, who said approximately 2,000 years ago, those who do not learn from the mistakes of the past are condemned to repeat them in the present. So we thank you, Simonetes, for that correction. It's about time Livy got his full due. I want to thank also our email from Ed. When I saw the headline on it saying, Bad Week to be a Complete Unknown, the phrase struck me, Complete Unknown. Even though it's only a two-word phrase, I thought, Bob Dylan. And sure enough, according to the Associated Press, rock legend Bob Dylan was treated like a complete unknown by police in New Jersey when a resident called to report someone wandering the neighborhood. And indeed, it was the former Robert Zimmerman walking around the neighborhood to clear his head, I gather, before a performance, Apparently a couple of 20-something police officers asked him, for, asked him for identification, and when he said he was Bob Dylan, that didn't mean anything to him. So they hauled him in. 
Or at least they hauled him back to the Ocean Place Resort and Spa where the performers of the tour were staying. Once there, the AP reports, tour staff vouched for Dylan. The article closed by asking, how did it feel? Responding that a Dylan publicist did not immediately return a phone call seeking comment. I want to thank uh, Millie for sending us the BBC uh, news story about how the one of the largest glaciers in Antarctica is thinning four times faster than 10 years ago. A depressing topic we'll have to address, but not today. We do want to give ourselves a slight pat on the back for having noted many months ago on this program that uh, the threat of North Korea could not be taken seriously because satellite data showed that the country was one big dark spot at night. Well, apparently researchers have published a paper in the American Economic Review noting that looking down and simply looking at the lights does allow economists, of all people, to accurately gauge the economic development of a given country. And frankly, as we talked about earlier on the show, economists appear to need all the help they can get. And Mr. McMillan, I think we need to do our Jackass of the Week uh, feature at this point. We commented a while back on the astounding stupidity of the fact that some people text while driving. The San Francisco Chronicle, in an editorial, puzzled over the fact that uh, that only 16 states have passed legislation against this practice, which means that the U.S. Senate is now considering legislation that would deny federal highway funds to states that don't outlaw texting behind the wheel. You know, there are some things you just, you would think you shouldn't have to legislate. But this week's Jackass of the Week Award, hands down, goes to the whoever is writing the editorials at USA Today. who commented, among other things, that a ban on texting would be unenforceable, adding that, you know, besides that, drivers take their eyes off the road and hands off the wheel to attend to unruly kids and navigational systems, Big Macs, and, and Big Gulps. It's unfair to single out texting and cell phone calls when drivers now indulge in a dozen different distractions. Well, we have to agree with Jacqueline Floyd in the Dallas Morning News, noting there are distractions and then there are distractions. Typing on a tiny keyboard while hurtling along at 60-plus miles an hour is beyond stupid. Recent study on texting truck drivers shows that there's, they are 23 times more likely to crash while texting. So, again, folks, if you're texting while driving, please stop. The life you save may be your own, or more importantly, my own. All right, we have a very prolonged second segment today, and so I think we'll go out a little early. Noting as we close that uh, Harry Shearer, Michael McKean, and Christopher Guest, better known as the faux rock band Spinal Tap, are out promoting the 25th anniversary of their phony baloney documentary by Rob Reiner. This is Spinal Tap, is uh, per our judges here at Radio Parallax, the funniest movie ever. Therefore, we're going to see what we can do to get either Derek Smalls, Nigel Tufnell, or David St. Hubbins to speak with us in character. The rumor is they're going to make a sequel. This correspondent has uh, mixed feelings about that because there's really no way to go but down from the original. But uh, as the boys are out on tour, apparently uh, Nigel Tufnell recently told Parade Magazine in response to a question about the high-def Blu-ray version of the film, I thought they were saying Blu-ray was like a medical procedure, so I don't really know what that is, but, but I'm all for it. Apologies to listeners in the UK for that phony British accent. But damn, we love those guys. 
On more than one occasion, our Los Angeles correspondent Don has phoned this program to see if we wanted to record a live performance of the band. We didn't think a recording made over a phone line would be something anybody would want to listen to. So like Hillary Clinton, we declined his very nice offer. Anyway, like I said, we're going to go out early. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Let's talk about one of the 20th century's great charlatans after a short break. We'll be joined at that time by author Pope Brock. Stay tuned.